0: everyone today i'm talking with david fennessy author of the journey spiritual growth in galatians and philippians before we get started here's the inside scoop on david david fennessy has a passion for teaching and preaching the bible and for thinking about and articulating theological ideas after graduating from duke university with a phd in new testament david fennessy taught for 7 years at kentucky christian university He then served a two-year tenure at the Institute for the Study of Christian Origins in Germany. Upon returning to the United States, he accepted a church pastorate for six years and then resumed teaching at Kentucky Christian. He has participated in seven archaeological excavations and surveys and has otherwise traveled widely in the Mediterranean area and the Middle East. Now semi-retired, David serves as a speaker and consultant for churches and colleges and is involved in several writing and research projects. David and his wife, Molly, have two daughters and three grandchildren. To learn more about David and his work, visit his website at davidafennessy.com. Well, hi, David. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Uh, Hello. Thank you for having me today. Yeah. So tell us about your latest book, The Journey.
1: Yes, uh, so The Journey is a book on Pauline spirituality, and as I say in the introduction, it's not primarily a theological work, although theology is something you can't ever get away from entirely when you're talking about Paul, but it's dealing with Paul the Christian. Paul is a Christian model for us. Paul writes several places, but one in particular, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mm. And so he's trying to show his leaders, the people in the churches he planted, how to do the Christian life. We can learn most easily by imitating others. It's easier to watch somebody and imitate that than it is just to listen to them describe it.
0: Right.
1: So he's asking them to look at him, even as he is intentionally modeling his life on the life of Christ. So it's a book about that. So it's very biographical. I pick out parts of two of his letters, Galatians and Philippians, that have biographical references. I chose those two books because they have so many biographical references. And we're seeing what we can learn from these about what the Christian life is and should be. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So that, in a nutshell, is what the journey is about.
0: Okay. And the difference in concentrating on spirituality instead of theology, what is the difference?
1: Yeah, so if I were writing on theology, there would be certain verses in Galatians that would be especially interesting. Obviously, justification by faith, people write a lot about that. That's not a primary focus when you're talking about uh, spirituality, you're thinking more about sanctification than you are justification. Mm. Things like the law versus the gospel. Again, that's not a major emphasis in spirituality. So, as I write in the introduction, there may be a lot of verses here that are a person's favorite in both Galatians and Philippians, which I won't even handle. They won't come up. For example, Paul writes, uh, through the law, I died to the law. People spend a lot of time trying to explain that. But I'm more interested in a verse or two later when Paul says, I had been crucified with Christ. That's spirituality as opposed to theology. Again, theology is never fully absent. It's sort of the underpinning mm-hmm. of spirituality. But it's more about sanctification than it is uh, theology. And really, there's a lot in his letters on this topic, but we often skip by it in our interest in his theology or maybe his missionary strategy or whatever. But I think we need to mine the richness of his teaching on what I call sanctification. And, you know, how do you do the Christian life? What should it look like?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I began with Paul as the model, but then I offer more recent examples of people like Paul and I take examples from all over the world, from Europe, from uh, Russia, China, Africa, South America, North America, all around the world, examples of Christians from the second century through, you know, a year ago, mm. Christians who are you know, living that same life. These are people who are modeling for us what it means to be a Christian. So that's the difference between Focusing on theology and focusing on spirituality or sanctification.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like it puts a little more personal application to connect with. Yes. So what was your motivation for writing about this topic?
1: Yeah, well, uh, this is not a political book. And I'm not, you know, deep into politics and taking political sides. But Mm -hmm. um, in the past, say, 20 years, a lot of different Christian bodies, organizations, and movements have gotten involved in politics. And you can get the impression that the Christian life is about supporting their political agenda, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. their political agenda. And if you don't support that, vote for it, give money to that political agenda, you're not being a Christian. The Christian life is not that. Right. The Christian faith transcends any political movement or agenda. It transcends this country. Uh, American patriotism is not identical with the Christian faith. Nations rise and fall, but the kingdom of God is forever. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I mean, I am a patriot. I'm not uh, anti-American. I am an American. I'm thankful for it. But that's not the same as being a Christian. The Christian life is a whole different kind of thing. And it's easy for any nation where you've had a large group of Christians to identify loyalty to a political cause with what it means to be a Christian. And that's not the same thing. We need to separate those out. So I wanted to write a book that would clarify, beginning with Paul's example, but then citing examples throughout history, and often the best examples for us to look at, to follow as models ourselves, are people who were really under duress. Mm. People whose lives are threatened, people who have suffered loss, people who have been martyred. So I have a lot of stories like that in the book, both ancient martyrs and recent martyrs, like uh, the two guys in uh, northeastern China, one of whom was martyred, uh, Pastor Han. Uh, He was killed by the North Korean secret police. They came over to the China and assassinated him. Mm. And his associate, Deacon Jang, they were helping North Koreans who were starving and also teaching them the gospel. And they were making many converts. And the North Korean secret police wouldn't tolerate this, So they killed the one, they captured the other, and he's serving a 15-year prison sentence in North Korea. Even though he's not North Korean, they had to kidnap him and take him over there. But Oh, wow. So it's people oh, like that, you know. These are people who are living the faith, the, and it's the kind of thing that Paul himself endured again and again. That's what the Christian faith is. That's giving your all for Jesus Christ, not giving your all for a political agenda. Right. I might agree with a political policy. I might think it's yeah, this is better than that, but that's not my Christian faith. We need to reiterate and reimagine what Christianity is in this country. Wow,
0: well, it's perfect timing for a message like that, then, because I feel like that is getting confused, Christianity and politics. Who is the target audience, then, for your book?
1: Just the average Christian. I think, you know, a a pastor who is preaching regularly might take the book and get sermons from it if he or she wanted to, Mm -hmm. Uh, but what I intend, what I imagine— is that churches have small groups or Sunday schools, so they get together five to 15 people in a group, and they will take a chapter a week and go through it. So it has 13 chapters. It's an introductory chapter, then 12 chapters. So it's designed to last a quarter, three months, a typical study time for the small groups or the Sunday schools. And so each uh, chapter begins with my own translation of the text. Some texts are just parts of verses, and some are five, six, seven verses. So they're very varying lengths. Then I try to apply it. I want people to see how these verses help us understand Paul's spirituality, and then show how other people have modeled the same thing throughout Christian history in various parts of the world. I don't want this to be just an American kind of thing. Mm. So I mean I have examples, and they're like the, the inspired example of this young lady, Leah Sharibu from Nigeria, kidnapped at age 15 by Boko Haram, and they were going to make her uh, marry you know a, a Muslim guy. Uh, through negotiation, they were able to release some of the young ladies, but Boko Haram said, "We won't let you go if you will publicly denounce your Christian faith and say you become a Muslim." Well, she would not. So she's still held prisoner. Mm. Uh, this is a 15-year-old kid who's got that kind of strength of faith. You know, wow. These are role models for us today. So I, I try to apply Paul's own example and his own modeling for us today by citing other inspiring cases throughout uh, history. So then we have the application, After the translation of the application. Then I have uh, four discussion questions for each chapter, and I certainly hope, as the groups get together, they'll have their own questions. Maybe they'll pause out, but I get them started with four yeah. discussion questions, which are based on the chapter, so they will talk among themselves. And then for those that want it, I give some more historical information in part four of each chapter to show them how I arrived at my interpretation and application, if they want it. And as I say in the introduction, that's optional. I don't yeah. want to bore anybody, but <laughs> I want them to see how I got what I got. So
0: Yeah. So would you recommend readers use your book in a certain manner? I know our reviewer mentioned it would be great for study groups, and you mentioned a little bit about study groups. Do you have a particular method of study in mind?
1: I suggest they get together, so the group. It'd be nice if they have read the chapter ahead of time, but I know in this busy society not everybody will. Mm -hmm. So the leader certainly should. Each group should have a leader. I recommend an in the introduction, they read my translation of the verse, or verses, and then read their own favorite translation to compare. Mm-hmm. I tend toward paraphrasing a lot, because when you translate, you're not just translating word for word, you're translating feelings, and sort of cultural cues, and translating word for word often omits that. Paraphrases capture that more. So Read my translation as well as your favorite. If it's the NIV or NASB, I don't care. You pick it out. It won't matter. You compare it with mine. I often make those comparisons in the text. Uh, so read the text through in my translation and theirs, and then maybe the leader just review what is said in the chapter, and if there's a inspiring story to illustrate maybe read that. I I don't take more than a paragraph or two to tell a story, so you might read that story and then open it up for the discussion. Usually in a group of, say, five to ten, um, at least half have read the chapter, and so they can join in. The others will pretty quickly understand what's happened, and they can participate themselves. So uh, as many as possible, read it ahead of time, but get together and mostly focus on those discussion questions.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think
1: that's where people learn most quickly when they're giving and taking among one another.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I like that your translation is not um, literal, so it makes it more open for you know individual interpretation.
1: Yeah. If it's word for word, it just often hides more than it uh, shows. So it's the way we would say it in contemporary American English, but it's not word for word from the original.
0: What do you hope readers get? most out of reading and working through your book?
1: Yeah. So I, I think a theme that runs through the book is what I would call heartfelt devotion. That's the core of the Christian faith, heartfelt devotion. Sometimes I I talk about the word repentance in some chapters. Sometimes I talk about, again, the word sanctification or guided by the Holy Spirit, but it's heartfelt devotion. That's the core of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything else Is around that, and I think that's what I'm striving to tell people. This is what we're about. When they say, "Be a Christian," you've you've become a Christian now. Be one. What does it mean to be one? It it doesn't mean joining a political party. It's fine to join one, uh, but that's not the same thing. It doesn't mean even taking up a social movement, although you may agree with what this certain group is doing. But the essence of the Christian faith is my heartfelt devotion to the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's the theme. So I, I want to say that in various ways, and that's really what Paul's saying throughout his letters, Whenever he refers to himself, no matter how he puts it. So in one chapter, I talk about Paul's expression, I've been crucified with Christ, what that means.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Another, I talk about where Paul says, far be it from me to boast in anything but in Jesus Christ and the cross. They're, they're saying the same thing. He's all about Christ, the risen Lord. That's our goal. That's our focus. That's our center. That's the core of what it means for anybody to be a Christian in any denomination. I don't care if you're Catholic or Protestant or Greek Orthodox, the core of our faith is our devotion to Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to Understand what that means in our everyday life. So it's intending to draw people toward that core, and then discuss among themselves how am I going to now put that into action? What's it going to mean for me uh, if I focus on that? Okay, that's my goal. Uh, that's why it's called the journey.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One, one chapter is itself called the journey. that that chapter's title becomes a title of the book? And my sort of slogan that they're using, I guess, for advertising that the Christian life is not so much walking the line in the sense that you keep all the rules. It's rather hitting the road. It's a journey.
2: Mm.
1: It's like a person who says, you know, I've studied all the rules of tennis. I'm now a very good tennis player. No, <laughs> I mean, that, that doesn't make you a good tennis player. <clears throat> or I've read all the rules about playing chess. I'm, I'm now a master chess player. No, you're not. You just know the rules. So, Walking the line is not the Christian faith. Hitting the road, undertaking the journey. And in the journey, you sometimes get off the road. You're sometimes knocked off the road by bad things that happen to you, sometimes by bad people. But we keep on the road. We keep going. And we pray that we aim that 10 years from now we're farther down the road than we are today. So sanctification, I see, as a process. We enter the journey, we undertake the journey, the process, and we get closer and closer to the ideal.
0: Okay. Now, you have a 40-year career as a teacher and a pastor. How does this book, The Journey, bring together all aspects of your ministerial career?
1: Yeah, I taught the New Testament at a Christian college for 30 years, and I had also uh, several pastoral ministries, and then a little bit of time overseas. And I found that, you know, understanding the Bible academically is a big help. Mm -hmm. It keeps me from going down rabbit holes of trendiness and just finding what I want to find in the Bible. It gives me a kind of guardrail against that by doing the hard work of interpreting Scripture through the languages and the historical background. But on the other hand, just knowing the history of the Bible isn't knowing the Bible. Mm Mm-hmm. Knowing the Bible is when it becomes a living entity for you. I remember reading Corey Tenboom's book, The Hiding Place, and she's in this book, The Journey. I quote her a couple places. She writes in The Hiding Place that they were having their devotions in this terrible Nazi concentration camp, but she said the Bible became for her like a living thing her hands would shake each day when she opened up the new testament it was so mysterious to her now hmm. so alive so different and that's you don't get that from learning greek and hebrew and and reading the dead sea scrolls and looking at archaeological artifacts again that's a good base and i think everybody should have that kind of guardrail but that's not the totality of uh, what the bible is about it's the combination of living with Scripture in real-life situations. You know, in in your ministry, you minister to people that are dying. You minister to people that have suffered horrendous loss. You go to prison and talk with people. You counsel with people who are having horrible problems in their marriage or at work or with their children. And you use the Scriptures daily to meet people's actual problems. And that's a whole different uh, undertaking than sitting in your office reading the New Testament in the original Greek. Both are good,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: one without the other is not adequate. So I've tried to pull all this together in this book, and you know I, I've done other books as well and plan to do more in the future, but that's my program now at this point in my life, pull all this together into a composite whole to show people scholarship does help us in applying Scripture for the average Christian, but it's not enough. There's also living with Scripture on a daily basis, helping people in their dark moments, and maybe being able to uh, review your own dark moments from time to time. It's all this together
0: yeah, that yeah. goes
1: into the interpretation and application of the Bible.
0: So is there a way for people to take this book beyond their study groups? and all?
1: Absolutely. Uh, so on the back of the book, there's a little blurb about me, and at the end it gives my website address. It's davidedfinney. com, and uh, they can go there. and It's got my email account, my phone number, even. Uh, and I'm I am more than willing to go to any church and talk about this book, or the next book I'm planning, or books I've written okay. just prior to this one, and, and be a consultant, maybe do a teaching time of, for group leaders, help the group leaders, you know, get a Handle on uh, this book or other books, yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, nice, glad yeah. to do it. Yeah, now the journey was just released this month, right? It was October 5th. October 5th. Oh, <laughs> wow, okay, yeah, yeah. So, have you had any feedback on it yet, or is it too early?
1: Uh, well, they did a, a review, leader, reader, yes. Uh, they did a, a review, got five stars, five star review. But what, what I remember of their review, it was a nice summary of the book. So the reviewer read it all. That's good. Mm. But what I remember and I really appreciate it is the reviewer said this book should be uh, useful or should be helpful to be studied internationally. Mm. And and I think that's a good thing, because, as I say, I've used examples of these Christian heroes from all around the world Mm -hmm. from the second century through like last year. I mentioned the young lady from Nigeria, the two guys from China, people from Russia, people from Europe, a lady from Pakistan, people from the United States, from Canada, and so forth. I've used examples all around the world, so I think that would make it internationally attractive. I, this is not you know, an American uh, book. It's written in American English, but it's not really right. just for Americans, I hope. So I appreciated that in the review.
0: Yeah, it sounds like she got the gist of what you were trying to accomplish. That's right. seems like you've had a busy year because I know you've published uh, two other books this year. Would you want to tell us a little bit about those books?
1: Okay. Actually, this is the fourth book to come out this year. Oh, wow. It's that I wrote them all last year. And some of them, it took me like three years to write. Some took me six months. Some it took me 10, 12 months. And some took me a year and a half. So they just happened to all come out this year. Well, the first one that came out in January, it it was supposed to be released in December, but due to COVID, the printing press couldn't get enough workers. They were all sick, so Mm. it was delayed. So it it came out in January of this year. That's a book on archaeology. As I say, uh, I do academic work. So it's called The Archaeology of Daily Life. Mm. And it's not just archaeology. It's also using ancient texts, but it's featuring archaeology. It's, it's about people who lived in in Israel and Palestine during the time of Jesus and what uh, we can know about those times and how that helps us interpret the Gospels. Oh, wow. And I ran across a lot of interesting new information and new insights in doing that research. So that came out uh, like January of this year. Then in March a book on the parables. The title is Here Today, H-E-A-R, play on
0: oh. H-E-R-E,
1: Here Today. <laughs> Here Today, Compassion and Grace in the Parables of Jesus. And that's the book like this one. It's got the same format. It has 13 chapters, again, to cover a quarter.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: an introductory mm-hmm. chapter then 12 different parables. I don't translate every parable because some of them are really long and I don't want, you know, like the parable of the prodigal son, we're talking a long a long story.
0: Right. So I didn't want
1: to do all that in there. So I let them just read the version of their choice. Then I explain the parable as I do in the journey. We have four discussion questions. Then I have the additional historical, archaeological stuff if they want it. So it's, it's the same format. Mm-hmm. And again, it's designed for small groups and for Sunday schools. So the parables book and this book are really written in the same way. They're published by different publishers, but they're written the same way.
2: Hmm.
1: In between that, a, a novel came out. It's a mystery. It's a, I would call it a Christian mystery. Oh, So I hope it's a, an interesting story for people that like mystery, but the point is to communicate Christian theology. And some people are kind of upset that I put so much theology in there, they just wanted a mystery. So,
0: <laughs> but that's what I am, so sorry. Right. Have you done any other fiction? Was this your first this is my second. My
1: first fiction was historical fiction taking place in Galilee after the time of Jesus. So it's taking place just before the Jewish revolt, which started in 66, A.D. 66. So, you know, there were Christians in Galilee at that time. They enter into the story, in and out of it, uh, but it's it's primarily a story about God's providence and the way we sometimes are blind to the providence, but it's there. So it's, it's that kind of story. But it's historical fiction is based on actual... Events in Galilee. So I used a lot of the, my own experience in archaeology and historical study and mm. biblical study. That's in the background. So this is my second. This is not a historical novel. It's just a Christian mystery, I would call yeah, it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's really a growing genre right now. Well, I hope so. People will pick it up and have a look. Yeah. <laughs> won't be offended at all the theology uh, yeah. in there. I mean, uh,
1: so well, yeah, it's been a year of four books. <laughs>
0: Wow, that's a lot to to market all at once. It's
1: a lot of marketing, yeah. I didn't think about all that.
0: Right, right. So you mentioned earlier that you have some plans for other books as well. Do you have anything currently in the pipeline, or what are you working on right now?
1: Well, I'm just starting a couple, so they're not far enough along. Mm -hmm. I'm hesitant to announce what it is. So what, what I do is I think about it, I read up on it, see how I would approach it, see if my approach would be advantageous to the church. Okay. Is it appropriate for the times in which we're living? Is it going to be helpful? So I had to go through all of that before I decide, you know, full speed ahead. So I'm, like you say, I'm marketing four books. And that's kind of a yeah,
0: that, full-time
1: job right now.
0: I was going to say, absolutely. It's <laughs> yeah. It's,
1: it's it's a fun break from writing, but it is it is busy. But, you know, sometime by next summer, I'll decide, yeah, I will or I won't. I'll I'll go full speed ahead or I'll I'll look elsewhere.
0: Or not. Right. You've got some ideas brewing. Now what happens is yet to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you wanted to add today? I would just say this is
1: a non-denominational book. I cite in this book Catholic thinkers. I mean, I I love Thomas Merton. he's, He's in the book. Probably Thomas Merton was a Trappist monk who lived in a monastery in Gethsemane, Kentucky. I love his writings. So I cite Catholics. I Billy Graham, Baptist. <laughs> Mother <laughs> Teresa, another Catholic. Uh, uh, Corey Ten Boom, I guess, was a reform, Dutch reform. I don't even know what the others are, but it's not about advancing any particular Christian denomination. As I say, this is about the core of our faith, which is unyielding devotion to the risen Lord. That's what it means to be a Christian. Paul says in Corinthians, no one can say Jesus is Lord, and he means say it and mean it, without the Holy Spirit. Mm. So if Christ is your Lord and you confess that, that's the essence of what it means to be a Christian. That's what this is about. It's not about uh, advancing any denominational agenda or creed or anything. It's about that.
0: Okay. David, thank you so much for joining us today and and for sharing a little bit more about you and your work.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I
0: appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today for my interview with David Fennessy, author of The Journey, Spiritual Growth in Galatians and Philippians. To learn more about David and his work, visit his website at davidafennessy.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at insidescooplive.com.